0: Brooklyn.org what you saw yesterday was history later maybe you might want to watch I'm going to be reading a, a poem written by Bono about Ukraine which you might find interesting
1: William Burroughs always talks about the world is nothing but allies and enemies and it's important to understand
2: what things around you are the enemies and a lot of the time your worst enemy is your, is your ego were you surprised by Sam Elliott's comments?
0: Look, what can I say? I'm sorry, he was being a little bit of a B-I-T-C-H. and sorry to say it, but he's not a cowboy. He's an actor, and the West is a mythic space, and there's a lot of lot of room on the range.
2: <laughs> room on the range.
0: Yeah, and you know, like I think it's I think it's a little bit sexist because you think about the number of amazing westerns that were made in spain by sergio leone it's i mean i consider myself a creator and uh, i think he sees me as a woman or something less at first and uh, you know i don't appreciate that and you know serena and Venus, you are such marvels. however you do not play against the guys <laughs> like i have to <laughs>
2: Change, I guess change is good for any of us. Whatever it takes for any of y'all to get up out the hood, I'm with you. I ain't mad at you. Got nothing number love for you. Do you think one? Yeah. All the homies that I ain't talked to, I'm going to send this one out for y'all. Know what I mean? Because I ain't mad at you. Heard y'all tearing up shit out there. Kicking up dust. Giving a motherf- <laughs> yeah, I ain't bad at you. I got
0: this message this morning from Bono and most of us we're always whether we're in Ireland or here whatever it is Bono has been a very Irish part of our lives and he said this he said oh Saint Patrick he drove out the snakes. With his prayers, but that's not, all t- that's not all it takes. But the smoke symbolizes an evil that arises and hides in your heart as it breaks. And the evil, from, risen from friends, from the darkness that lives in some men, but in sorrow and fear, that's when saints can appear to drive out those old snakes once again. And they struggle for us to be free From the psycho in this human family, Ireland's sorrow and pain is now the Ukraine, and St. Patrick's name is now Zelensky. (laughs)
3: From the Winslow T Broadcast Booth. In foggy Bushwick, Brooklyn, I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And this is Race to the Bottom. Second annual Oscar Spectacular, baby. Bay. My opening monologue, as always, is brought to you by Winslow Tea. I've got it iced here. Mmm. Ah. That's good. That's going to be good to the last drop, I can already tell. Please hashtag your tea drinking experiences with hashtag how you know to steep into the conversation. I had to do it. I had to... Get here to the studio. I could have done a full pre-record. But that wouldn't be fair to you, dear listener. I'm here live. I am going to play the conversation that I had with Eric and Corey about this year's 10. Count them, 10. There used to be negative 4 Nominations. Now there's 10. Best picture noms. And let me just get this out of, out of the way right now. These are noms, they're not nods. A nom is not a nod. There's 10 noms and only one will get the nod. People get that confused sometimes. We're going to be talking about Coda, Drive My Car, Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dog, King Richard, Nightmare Alley, which is a sequel to Downtown Alley, West Side Story, Belfast, and Dune. And you guys already know how I felt about Dune. I went off about that. And speaking of going off, I'm just going to... Actually, I'm going to I cancel the Oscar Spectacular. Have you heard about this crazy congresswoman? Let's just do a whole show about this crazy congresswoman. I love how people just... um, You think maybe that person wants you to talk about them? Maybe maybe the uh, approach would be to starve the trolls. I don't know. What do I know? I know that Anam is not a nod. I know that um I I failed to mention it during my conversation with Cory and Eric. Eric is uh by the way is now uh the deputy editor of tailgate sports check out his writing there as well as the host of catcher's corner which we've talked about on the show but i didn't mention to eric and Corey that i felt like some of these movies were too shiny belfast was too shiny coda which i loved was too shiny west side stories shiny what's the we're putting some kind of shiny filter on these movies Quickly in the mashup, we heard from John Frusciante talking about the biggest your biggest enemy sometimes can be your ego, which segued right into Jane Campion. One good, one not so good clip. Her responding to Sam Elliott, calling, calling him a bitch. Wow. And then uh, her unfortunate comments that she made. What was that? The Screen Actors Guild Awards? Comparing her, her pain to that of Serena and Venus? You, you don't gotta go there. She did apologize. We heard from uh, Naughty by Nature, the just the OPP sample. We heard from uh, the intro to I Ain't Mad at You, Tupac. And we heard the amazing poem that um the basically the patron saint of race to the bottom bono uh wrote and and uh i guess emailed sent it sent it to uh nancy pelosi what if he was like i didn't mean you to i didn't mean you to read that by shiny um someone's asking I I don't know. It's something like it's there there's something glossy about the about the way that the the screen looks. It's like a it's like a it's got the sheen that you get at like a if you got your picture taken at JCPenney or something. But I'll I'll talk to you more about uh um things after the you hear from Eric and Corey and I, you can um, you can hit me up on the socials or text me and, and, and I'll, I'll uh, I'm here to I'm here to talk to you. I'm here to field your questions and, and uh, comments. And uh, without any further ado, it's time for the Oscar Spectacular second annual Oscar Spectacular. Back again, by popular demand, are Eric and Corey. This was one of people's favorite episodes from last year, and I'm so happy to have you all back. We're honored.
4: You're you're too, too kind. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
3: just dive right in. Let's Um, do it. You just asked me, Eric, what I thought of Dune. Uh, There's a lot of synchronized grunting. Um, I (laughs) love that there was a, a character named Duncan Idaho. Did you have you all were you like Dune people growing up? Um,
1: so, so my dad, um, at his old job helped with the special effects of the first Dune. Oh, the um, David Lynch was, one was on set when they were filming it, all that sort of stuff. So, um, I have some experience, you know, growing up talking about Dune and watching mm-hmm. the original. Tried to read the book when I was younger, okay, but I was too young. Um, so yeah. I haven't read it yet.
4: Yeah, I um, was not very familiar. And I think this is incredibly embarrassing. My father would probably be embarrassed as well as I'm sure he thought Dune was cool and that I should think Dune is cool. Mm-hmm. But what, the only reference to Dune that I am familiar with is that uh, bad Dane Cook joke about uh, Nesquik <laughs> being too dry in his <laughs> chocolatey drink. And he refers to it as the movie Dune in his yes. chocolatey drink. So that's that was my exposure to Dune.
3: What did you all think? Corey loves Timothy. Yeah. But
4: really the cast did it for me. Like <laughs> I um, you know, I, I think what I'll be sharing throughout this show is that I was a little bit unenthusiastic about see like I wasn't really driven about like to see a lot of these films. Yeah. Um and for Dune. For me it was really the cast um and i you know i've heard great things obviously about um kind of the story and the production all of, all of that but um but yeah do you love do you think it was a really an incredible cast and yeah when you put it th- that way where there's a lot of sort of uh it's very talented male grunting that's think, a fair assessment
1: <laughs> i was kind of surprised it got nominated yes. for best picture and i feel like it's a little bit uh indicative of what we'll talk about through a lot of this show which is like an entirely fine and enjoyable movie that I'm surprised, like I'm surprised we're talking about Dune for best picture and yes. not Spider-Man and like why Dune makes the cut as like a big budget action mm-hmm. movie, but Spider-Man can't kind of make the cut because it's big budget action, but also superhero. Yeah. Yeah. Where I feel like Spider-Man had way more emotional stakes and, you know, had kind of like an emotional arc within the movie that, dune didn't really have because it's the first of maybe a trilogy
3: at least so it's slow at least a trilogy i mean it just felt like world building the whole time i didn't feel like that much happened i'm a huge uh timothy chalamet guy as well Corey. but i i don't know i i spoke uh, at length about how much i didn't like dune on on last week's program so uh if people want to go back and 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 check out my rant they can do that
1: <laughs> listen be- best cinematography give it to it i loved it it mm-hmm. looked great it
4: was beautiful
1: but maybe yeah, maybe absolutely. that's maybe that's it yeah also like timothy chalamet is great but but like jason momoa i mean mm-hmm. there's just so many oscar isaac just a lot of handsome Here dudes it's just like they tried to see how many handsome men they could cast in one yeah. movie and, yeah. and they did well.
4: Give them all the awards for that, honestly. Yeah. Nailed it. Should
1: have been called Dude. Yeah, dude.
4: <laughs> it was, I have to say, it was absolutely beautiful. I think it was like really engaging. It was entertaining, visually amazing. Um, but I do agree with you guys. Kind of it was a lot of build up and mm-hmm. you know, I was sort of waiting for uh for the rest of the story to play out. But I guess we'll have to wait and see.
3: Yeah. Another beautiful movie um, I felt was Belfast. I felt like it kind of had a bit of an identity crisis as a movie, though. What did you all think of Belfast?
1: Yeah, we I mean, we enjoyed it. Um, I do think it was the same thing. It was like a beautiful movie. I thought it was a really interesting concept for a story. I personally felt a little bit like it had that short story quality of like a little slice of life. but maybe there wasn't really a full arc to the story behind Mm -hmm. it. And to me, like Corey and I were talking about this afterwards, like I look at, okay, Kenneth Branagh, like lots of experience directing and starring in Shakespeare adaptations, lots of experience directing in general. And then you look at his writing credits and they're basically all writing credits for screenplays of the Shakespeare films that he yeah, directed, yeah. which obviously he's not writing the story for. So I felt like a lot of that, like wh- where is the complete narrative in this film comes maybe from like, he's kind of a first time screenwriter in, yeah. of a movie of this caliber. So, you know, there are some issues there, I thought, with with the whole story arc itself, but I, but I definitely enjoyed it as a movie.
4: Yeah. I didn't know much about the story, Um, but I did, I so much appreciated while watching just the dynamic and the relationships and kind of like the store, like all of the little stories within and how yeah. all of these people are connected. And obviously there's this huge thing happening around them, but it's like, you know, still these situations where like kids are being kids and like, you know, parents are trying to like keep it together and like this, you know, crazy environment. And so, um, really loved just the individual, you know, whether it was one on one or these like families mm-hmm. together, just the stories and sort of all of their connections.
3: so it was kind of the needle that it seemed like he was trying to thread is like, how can I make a movie about the troubles and and a really kind of traumatic in some ways, childhood where he was kind of uprooted from his home. But how can I make this kind of uplifting? And Corey, I agree that it was. There were some really uh, amazing moments between the characters, but sometimes it felt like they were trying a little too hard to make it uplifting. And there were some some times where it rang false to me. There was like this wedding near the end with, that just kind of came out of nowhere. And it was like this song and dance. And I was like, what What movie is this all of a sudden? Yeah. Like, <laughs>
1: The kid's great in it, though. The, the yes. little kid who plays Buddy, I thought Amazing. was great. Yeah. And there, so there are some moments like that where you're like, oh, it's like sweet. But I think that was probably enough, right? You cast it well. We got yeah. a sweet kid that gives the movie its kind of tenderness without having to put the scenes in like that you were talking
3: about. Yeah. Speaking of casting, some let's talk about West Side Story, which kind of I feel like the casting is the the make or break for me for West Side Story. Another very pretty movie. What did you all think? I think my thoughts would disappoint listener Dave. Yes. Who, uh we know
1: loves this movie. Yeah, I think um, me too. I thought it was fine. Um, <laughs> you know, I Corey and I talked about it too afterwards, but like on one hand, I understand redoing this now because of the tone of some of the scenes where you know the sharks are told like go back where you came from and there's a lot of this like you know you're on our land type of rhetoric that we hear within the country now so on one hand i understood bringing that back to address the current landscape yeah but then on the other hand i was like i have no given everything that's going on and given just kind of like where we are at as a society based on where we were at when the movie first came out, like I have no rooting interest for a group of people who basically continue to kind of like bully and torment the minority group that's in quote unquote their neighborhood. Yeah. So like there were really no, there was really no point where I'm rooting for the jets, you know? And I know Tony is like kind of not, currently a member and has changed, you know, like his stripes a little bit. And there's so there's that narrative. But like, I didn't really feel like it was two groups. And they're both kind of under their own, you know, stresses, because one group was kind of bigoted and racist. So it was hard for me to like, put them on equal footing in my head.
4: And the film was made in earlier, right? Like it was, yeah. um, they were ready to release it. And so I, I when look uh, like watching, it, I think without the context of sort of the timing, you know, it's, it's quick, for us, I think, to react and say, oh, they miss a lot of opportunities here. Like there's so much that's happened in the past couple of years where like, you know, that it should have been more obvious the way that they Mm -hmm, address some of it in the film. And so in looking back, it's like, oh, okay. Like this, you know, obviously there were some, some opportunities missed, but you know, it was, it could have been because of the timing, but I do think, you know, it's, it doesn't really accomplish much in terms of sort of that, like, you know, social unrest and like, you know, there's not really anyone coming together and, and sure, that's like the original story, but um, I think if it was redone uh, more recently, you know, maybe they would have been more direct in addressing some of those concerns.
3: For me, I, I, the Elgort guy, Tony, I was just out from the beginning. I couldn't, I couldn't do it i I loved him
4: really (laughs) i did and i heard you know um less than satisfactory reviews of kind of you know his performance and how others have felt that it impacted the film but i just i thought he was lovely i thought Mm. he was incredibly talented
3: okay
1: corey is a notorious uh, snob (laughs) snob when it comes to singing because (laughs) of her (laughs) choir background um and so i was like The first musical numbers that he's singing, I was kind of side eye, glancing over to see Mm -hmm. her reaction because I felt like he was a good singer, but I don't have that musical background. But she also appreciated um, his singing as as well. So,
4: for better or for worse, like I think he was also surrounded by people, you know, other you know actors who are I I don't want to say like outperformed him, but like you know the women in that film were amazing like a lot of you know a lot of the men as well but you know i think he was probably in a little bit over his head but i think he he held his own and i thought Mm -hmm. it was a really beautiful character
3: as his singing felt a little too like american idol idly for me (laughs) what he was doing with his vibrato I did. Um, he, his,
1: he had a very obvious vibrato. I did yeah. say to Corey, like his, the whole bottom part of his jaw moves. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I noticed it right away.
3: <laughs> Another movie that might fall into the category that you, you've been kind of created, Eric, that I agree with is this is an enjoyable movie, but I'm kind of surprised we're talking about it as a Oscar nomination. Nightmare Alley, a Toro joint. Have I, we were trying, my wife and I were trying to quiz each other on the three Mexican directors and we could do a whole show of that. It's, it's always hard for me to keep straight. I think Guillermo de, I can, why can't I say his name? Guillermo del Toro is, um, maybe the most distinctive of the three. The other two, I can, I can never figure out which one did, uh, Gravity and which one did Itumama También and all that. Um, bradley cooper de- deception confidence men uh circus comes to town what, what do y'all have to say um
1: yeah just I, I think it's alfonso cuaron did gravity and um what's the dicaprio gets eaten by a bear movie again oh yeah the revenant <laughs> um, the revenant mm-hmm. and then there's also in who yeah did, like, I, I mean Babel. this is like uh yeah Babel was the one i'm thinking yeah of. um I'm a huge Guillermo del Toro fan. I love Pan's, like Pan's Labyrinth is one of my favorite movies. I think like all the the early kind of like Mexican horror movies that he made, I thought were great too. Um, So I, I watch pretty much every movie that he makes. And so I was also like, I enjoy this, but it's also not the best Guillermo del Toro movie. Right. Just like. It's not the best Steven Spielberg movie, just like as we'll talk (laughs) about later, like it's not the best Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Mm -hmm. Like these are all films made by like really good directors that are enjoyable and obviously in very good hands and very well made and highly recommend people watch them. But they're not movies that in a normal year I'd be like, oh, this should be
3: best picture. Yeah. What do you think, Corey?
4: I I was pleasantly surprised watching the trailer. I was kind of like, what is this (laughs) story? Like, what is happening? Who are these characters? And so obviously it all came together. Watching the film, um, I thought it was really entertaining. Um, I thought it was beautiful. Um, You know, I think in terms of the production, I feel, like my thought is, you know, that's probably where a lot of the momentum comes from for, you know, an Oscar nomination. Um, you know, the acting, of course, like, you know, with that roster is is incredible. But, um, you know, I think the story like lost me a little bit. I thought it was really unique. It was really interesting. Um, a little bit of a slow burn. Um, yes. And one of those two where like it's, you know, it's so psychological, you know, you're kind of uncomfortable watching it. So like even thinking back, I'm like, I think I liked it, but I was like, you know, my my blood pressure was very high the entire time. But yes. you know, overall, I you know can't say that I loved it, but it, I think it was it was very well made, very well acted. I
1: we I talked to you about this off air too, John. That like Guillermo del Toro had a really good interview uh, with Terry Gross on Fresh Air, mm-hmm. where he talks about how like a lot of the stuff that is connected to this has to do with his own past, which is not connected to the circus, but is connected to the idea of mediums, I guess. Like I forget what, what, how Bradley Cooper refers to himself, but Guillermo del Toro's father was kidnapped in real life. And basically people came to the house to try to convince him and his mother that like, if they gave them money, they would be able to speak to him and like, find out where he was. And so it feels like there's a lot of personal connection, but then that's why it almost feels like it's different movies between the circus components of the movie and the other components of the movie. Kate Blanchett is amazing and is yes. always amazing, and is just like one of the best actresses working right now.
3: I think I'm a big circus movie fan. Yeah, and then I felt like once it, once they left the circus, it was a little uh, rough. My my wife can't stand Bradley Cooper, um, and I'm not the biggest fan of his. But I felt like because it was so obvious that he's not the he's a very suspect character throughout the whole time, it it worked for me.
1: And maybe this will segue, but like two nights ago when Corey and I watched Licorice Pizza <laughs> and there's a Bradley Cooper cameo in it. And I was like, I kind of afterwards, I was like, this is like what Bradley Cooper does best. Like, yes. I enjoy him and he is great in a lot of movies where he's the lead, but where he's able to just be in like three or four scenes and just turn it up to like nine, 10, 11 and be like a total lunatic. It's like he's super enjoyable as a performer in those moments like the like the hangover thing where like he's not yes. the lead he doesn't have yeah. to carry the movie he can be like charismatic and weird and funny and like uh, that
3: works for me let's talk licorice pizza do you guys did you either you read anything or have any idea what the title refers to or am i in the dark on this nope,
4: still don't <laughs> enlighten us if you know
3: uh yeah i don't know uh 1970s kind of love letter to uh, the Valley of uh, California, Hollywood vibe, you know, kind of a love story ish uh, with a questionable age gap. If it's a love story, <laughs> it's kind of troubling. A little, a little questionable. <laughs> uh, you know, it's only 10 years. Uh, I'm a huge uh, Paul Thomas Anderson fan in general. I Eric, I agree that this was like, you know, a, fine movie but not his best i loved alana Haim and the the other guy cooper hoffman uh who reminded me so much of philip seymour hoffman who was kind of you in, in a way paul thomas anderson's muse before he his death so uh what do you do know you it's his son right oh it is yeah. well, i wonder why it reminded me
1: so much <laughs> yeah. of him Okay. It, it was his it's his feature film debut. And like, I also said that same thing where like I looked it up and then I was like, oh, this makes total sense. Yes. Okay. Also, I looked up licorice pizza is apparently uh, the name of a famous Southern California record store from the 70s and 80s. Okay. And apparently licorice pizza is also a slang term for vinyl records because of their color and shape.
2: Oh. So okay. it's just
1: kind of a, a hat tip to 70s music slang. Mm-hmm. We enjoyed it. Yeah. I think it's me personally. I had the same thought of like, it is another like movie that almost felt like a bunch of vignettes rather than a bunch of than a full cohesive narrative. Like there's a lot of different storylines, which were, were really enjoyable. And I kind of liked the characters and the story, but the movie then as a whole felt like, Maybe not a complete movie, but like just an enjoyable like experience through, you know, the a year in these people's lives.
3: Yeah. The pacing was weird. I felt like Corey, I think think? it,
4: it, it accomplished. I think what it set out to do, which is kind of like show these two characters, these like kindred spirits, like over time and like these different situations and like how they're inevitably just like drawn to one another. And I think like, you know, that had to be you know, I love that it was sort of presented in a way. And I don't want to say that it was kind of like mundane, but like, you know, just just this total mixed bag of situations that they found themselves in and just going through life and, you know, what they experienced over time. And it all is very bizarre. And, you know, it's it, none of the stories really go together, but I think, you know, end to end, it really helps you understand these characters. And again, kind of reinforces that, you know, this is very um, unexpected pairing, but by mm-hmm. the end, you're like, kind of rooting for it of like, you know, these these people are meant to be in each other's lives. Are you rooting for it? He's still
1: still 15 and she's still 25. So it was a little strange. He was an actor, right? And then he did no acting in the movie. And it made me wonder, like, did that beaver joke he he told on
3: national TV? (laughs) Like, did that literally ruin his
1: acting career? Because then he never acted again.
3: King Richard, another one with uh, five good fine movie that uh is kind of unclear why it was nominated what did you all think
4: i thought it, i mean i thought it was like a solid film um i obviously will smith's character is just so impressive and so Uh, you're just so emotionally invested in like, you know, everything this man is looking to accomplish and how he's getting there. And um, I think really pulls you in. Um, I think it it was interesting to me not being familiar with the full story of Mm -hmm. you know the Williams sisters. And so I found it very informative, I guess, of like, you know, that whole background. And then, you know, it was a very engaging story emotionally, like obviously the dynamic of, you know, him and his wife and then, you know, kind of uh, interestingly, the story being focused on Venus, and then these sort of hints of kind of like yeah. this, you know to come with Serena. I thought you know again really is was an interesting story, very well acted, you know, an entertaining film. But you know again, Oscar worthy. Who knows? But I, I think very solid.
1: To me, it makes the most sense of the films we've talked about so far as an Oscar nominee, just not winner, but nominee because it has that like he's going to win Best Actor for that performance. Those are the movies that then usually get nominated for Best Picture. True, I don't think it's going to win it, but I enjoyed it, and I I found interest because I I really like tennis, so yeah. I remember Venus and Serena. Um, you know, as much as I remember them starting out, but like I remember all the stories of Richard Williams, yeah, and like the way that he was presented. So I found it interesting to kind of see another presentation that wasn't just like, he's super overbearing, he's crazy, he's over the top, which was kind of like the media narrative at the time. And this showed that, sure, like he is those things, but it also is like, a you know, there's another angle or another aspect to it. And then also included the mother a lot in a way that like, I don't remember the mother in terms of media coverage when they were coming up. So I feel like this was an interesting way of like including the mother in the narrative and showing that like she was as much a part of it as he was. He just had the personality that like attracted all the attention. So I enjoyed it, but again, enjoyable movie that, you know, feels like it was rightfully nominated given the performance, but <laughs> I don't feel like is a it is an actual best picture winner.
3: Yeah. And I th- it's my understanding that uh- he was maybe kind of the movie downplayed it somewhat his the uh, amount of kind of abuse that he inflicted on the girls but they are also executive producers of of the movie and it's kind of their story to tell so mm-hmm. that was another it was another one where I, the whole movie i'm like how are they going the, i'm kind of sitting on the edge of my seat wondering how they're going to uh how far they're going to go with with the you know his pressure, his overbearing. Nature. Yeah, and I think
4: that it also opened space. And you know, I don't, I don't know again, sort of how this all played out in reality. But like, you see a lot of the girls and like their ambition and their drive, and also you know the mothers, which I think you know had this story been one hundred percent focused on, you know, maybe that true degree to which he was he was so overbearing, you might have missed some of that. And so I think it really presents a great opportunity. And, you know, I I imagine it, it played out, um, you know, that way in reality of like, you know, the, the girls and kind of the mother also like having a lot to do with, with that success.
3: Mm -hmm. Are we in agreement that Power of the Dog will probably uh, win the Oscar? That's kind of my uh, hunch.
1: Probably win or probably should win, I think is a a different question for me personally, but I think it's going to win. I, I see all indications right now that it's gonna win. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm
4: always rooting for an underdog. I don't know who it would be. <laughs> um, like I, you know, have some other favorites, but I think inevitably it it will win. Um and I, I I think it's fair that I think it deserves to win, but um, you know, I do think there are some other films that they're for and for very different reasons, I think are also very worthy.
1: Who no, doesn't think it deserves to win is Sam Elliott.
3: <laughs> not think no. this movie deserves to win. So, Corey, are you, you're maybe looking for The Power of the Underdog. Nice. Right? <laughs> um, do we need to talk about Power of the Dog? Since, I, I mean... We, I guess we should talk about it because it's probably going to win. You liked it a lot, though, didn't you? I liked it a lot, but I underst- I, I Talk about a, a movie that kind of you watch uncomfortably. I thought that the kind of You know, I don't want to do any spoilers, but I think the reveal at the end, uh, you know, there's this tension running through the movie. I was completely kind of surprised by the ending. I thought Cumberbatch was awesome and and as well as the... um, the young gentleman, you, you know his name? Cody
1: something. Uh, Cody. And then he's got a hyphenated last name. Yeah. But I forget it.
3: I thought he was great. Um, I'm always a Jesse Clemens fan and uh, Kirsten Dunst. Andrew. I thought that Cumberbatch's character was fascinating how multifaceted he was and how he there was this kind of humanity under the surface and then kind of the reverse of the of landry's character where there was this humanity flowing from him the whole time and and then a kind of a deeper kind of more sinister side to him that was only revealed at the end so it was kind of this kind of interesting pairing you know yeah
1: i i i enjoyed it um i will say that like the surprise insofar as it related to like Benedict Cumberbatch or the reveal in so far as it related to Benedict Cumberbatch's character. Yeah. I felt like wasn't particularly subtle and was pretty obvious from the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. but I, he's obviously, I think he's always really good. I enjoyed the performances in the movie. It's another movie that felt, I don't want to say that it felt light, but it was another, like, I guess I felt like the emotional stakes of the movie were, not incredibly high the kirsten dunce characters kind of like um entrapment in the home and i guess i i understood kind of the way that like he feels trapped in some ways and then winds up kind of making her feel trapped in another way and like the oppressed the oppression leads to oppression like that story that narrative made you know made sense to me and i thought it was well done and i thought the interactions between the characters in that way were nice but it felt slow at times and it felt like it was an enjoyable movie that had an uh an interesting ending that you know had some forgettable moments through the middle of it
4: there's nothing really that stands out in terms of okay so this is the story is like beginning middle end. to your point there was like a lot of kind of there were these slower scenes in the middle but i think that's what really accomplishes like at the end where you're just like oh okay you know like Mm -hmm. this you know, it makes so much sense as to kind of how things ended. Um, And then looking back, it's like, okay, yeah, this was like sort of a slow build. So I do think that, yes, slow in terms of, you know, maybe not an engaging watch from beginning to end, but I think every bit of that is so important to kind of build up toward the end.
1: Again, if I can steal your role and segue, but like another slow movie that I thought I, I think personally accomplished, a lot in terms of building the character perhaps more was drive my car which i felt like was slow in times for obviously a three hour long movie there are going to be moments (laughs) that feel like it it's slow in building up but i just feel like there were such moments of like kind of like there were so many emotionally powerful moments within that movie spaced throughout That I felt like even though it was a slow movie that had some scenes that are literally just people talking in a car for like 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, I did feel like there were like overall character arcs and character beats and and emotional reveals within these characters spaced throughout the movie that I felt like just kind of like made a really compelling narrative. I yes, could it have been 15 or 20 minutes shorter? I mean, sure, probably, but but I enjoyed the part in the pun. but I enjoyed the ride. And I felt like it was a, a really kind of like well-made uh, movie, maybe more successful to me personally than drive my car as a full kind of narrative
3: story. Then power the dog. A lot of these movies uh, kind of looking over this list uh, felt like homework. Sure. <laughs> you know where you, it's like, and drive my car felt um, when I first I think I wasn't in the mood for it but yesterday when I watched it it was a very kind of cold snowy rainy wintry mixy day and there wasn't anything I wanted to do more than to watch the three hours of that movie and I I I loved it and I think having watched Drive My Car and thinking back on it is is a really um, great thing to have done I love thinking about uh, that movie uh, mm-hmm. now that I've made it through
1: there's And there's so much between the like philosophical nature of the dialogue in and of itself. And then the like Russian, you know, the checkoff mm-hmm. mixed throughout it, which is also inherently kind of like philosophical and like ex- self, you know, examining in terms of your world and your place in it. There's a lot of that throughout the movie, but I think it sticks with you. And I thought the performances were great. And I also thought that like there's some interesting things that in the play within the movie, like the fact that he casts a woman who does Korean sign language in a play where people are speaking different languages. But then the moments with her as an actress are like some of the most powerful moments in the movie. And I like really kind of like was just thoroughly engaged in those scenes.
4: Yeah, I think for a longer film, it's interesting when we were just talking about Power of the Dog, um, talking about it being, I don't even know how long that film was. It felt very long, right? Because it is slower and yeah. it's less of an active in like engagement, kind of like as they're like building the characters and the emotion where this was like. You know, anywhere you looked, while it does feel like a long kind of slower film is like your mind is kind of like connecting, you know, these characters to one another. Your mind's connecting these characters as artists to this, you know, art that they're making and sort of how the that, how that's reflecting the emotion of sort of what they're experiencing in these scenes and like throughout this story. And so it's very much like, you know, I kind of felt that while I didn't feel watching it like i was kind of being pulled in a million different directions looking back i'm like wow that was a lot like mm-hmm. that was a lot of emotion you know a lot of different scenarios you know a lot of kind of like symbolism like pulling all of that together um that really helped build and that sort of connection to each of the characters and i think like by the end you're just like wow like so much happened in that three hours
3: maybe a, a little bit less subtle of a symbolic movie was don't look up <laughs> pretty uh direct one-to-one kind of idea? What what did you all think?
1: I really enjoyed it. I mean, I think obviously, like, it has these moments of, like, intense frustration when you're watching it because you also understand the way in which it reflects the society it was made in. And this idea of, like, the Don't Look Up, obviously connecting in the movie to, like, there's a meteor... That's clear, very clearly coming to earth, but like, don't look up, like just don't pay attention to like what is very obviously happening. But again, like I look at a movie like that, that I really enjoyed. It's very much Adam McKay. He has like a style now, which I think has also carried over to like, I don't know if you've watched the first episode of winning time, but like that's his style. It works. I really enjoy it. It's an incredibly entertaining for me experience. But again, I, I, would find it hard to for somebody to argue that this movie has more merit as a piece of cinema than something like Spider-Man does. Mm-hmm. again, like both big budget movies. But again, I'm looking at like if you're talking about emotional stakes, if you're talking about performances, if you're talking about like depth of narrative, like I just don't know where we're kind of, and when I say we, even though we don't make these decisions, but I don't know where like the academy is drawing the line between like, what big budget blockbuster movie is okay to be nominated and what big budget blockbuster movie is not okay to be nominated and it felt like if this wasn't nominated i wouldn't have even thought twice and it would have still been a really enjoyable movie that i liked watching Mm -hmm. but like didn't get snubbed or whatever yeah
4: I think it was. It was so entertaining. It was so funny. It was so like I'm questioning myself because I'm looking back at this list of films and I'm like, I think this is the only one where I like really cried, like almost like <laughs> like a little too much while watching. And I'm like, wait, hold on. There are so many others that were like so much more emotional and like intentionally emotional. So I'll you know figure that one out on my own. But um, I did. I, th- I thought it was a really really great story. Um, I want to say a unique story, but I think we all know it was set out to be um, you know a little bit reminiscent of what we're facing mm-hmm. um, lately. But I think, you know, the, the characters are really great. Obviously, the acting was incredible. But, you know, it's again, with that roster and it being sort of a what was intended to be, I imagine, like a blockbuster film, it's, you know, it, it did what it was set out to do. It was a good film. But I think in terms of like, you know, the art and, you know, to Eric's point, sort of it being Um, you know, this like brilliant piece of cinema, it's like, you know, I think there are probably others, you know, again, sort of in this category that Mm -hmm. accomplish a bit more, you know, in terms of like seriousness of the art. And like, I don't mean that negatively against the film. It's just like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a little bit silly. And, and I think it does a great job of kind of portraying that.
3: Speaking of a movie that made somebody cry. (laughs) Man, Coda had my number from uh, from the beginning. Children of Deaf Adults is that what it stands for, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, it, uh, a girl living with her her family of a deaf mother and father and brother, and uh, she's the only one who can hear. And she is uh, you know they're they're a fishing family um, in Gloucester, Massachusetts. And she realizes that she wants to sing and loves music, and every time she sang, I was just a wreck. I couldn't i like i gross cried uh multiple times in the uh, <laughs> um in that movie, and I think it was my favorite of these ten, uh maybe just because of my emotional connection to it but I will also concede that I don't know that it should, I don't even know if it would be nominated in in my world. Like it's, it's that same thing. I don't, I don't know.
4: Yeah. I feel like it doesn't really feel like, uh, and I think it absolutely is, but it doesn't really feel like as you're watching it, kind of an Oscar nominee in that it's like, it's light. It's funny. It's like this, you know, it's a kind of following this, this family and it feels interestingly normal kind of the, the sort of their day to day, but like you, it is extraordinary like Mm -hmm. what this family is doing and what they're accomplishing. And so I think, you know, just it, it being So relatable, and you know, just kind of feeling like you're in the day to day with this family. I feel like to me that's you know wasn't obviously like oh this is like a you know a great story, great film. But then when you take a step back, like in how it accomplished that, and really like you know puts you in there with the characters, I feel like was an accomplishment in and of itself.
1: Yeah, this is my dark horse pick. Mm -hmm. A because it's cleaning up like a lot of the like actor awards and stuff heading into the Oscars, but I just think it was like, maybe cause I knew nothing about it. It was the only movie that I watched. And afterwards was just like, damn, I was so invested in it the entire time. I felt, you know, the emotional stakes of it. And maybe this is like, you know, traditional me and like getting caught up in like that. It had a very clear narrative arc more so than a lot of these other films. And maybe subconsciously like that's more important to me than it should be. And that's why I liked this movie much more than I liked some of the others. But I also just thought like it was a really good story. It was a nice spin on like a very kind of typical like coming of age story of like a small town kid who wants to get away from their small town existence, except with, you know, with the added kind of wrinkle of that small town also having to do with um, having deaf parents and the, you know, being a a hearing uh, child and like how that adds to the stress and kind of struggle that she's going through, but I just felt like the scene on the truck bed, which we won't yeah. go into for people, like is like I don't know a more like emotional scene in movies this year than that scene. Like I just felt like it was really good. I'm really happy that he seems to be a lock to win best supporting actor. He's winning every acting award, uh, the father in the movie. So yeah, I just really, I really liked it. It stuck with me a lot.
3: All right. So Corey. Who do you want to win and who's going to win?
4: Um, I think we've already said it. Um, I think who, well, in the order that you've asked, um, I would really like drive my car to win. Um, And I don't know, I'm like on this foreign film kick the last few years. Um, I love that, you know, we're finding more of these films in this category. Um, And I think, again, just based on that multifaceted, just like every which direction they're pulling you in emotionally, I think it was just incredibly well done. Um but who is going to win you know again as we talked about I think Power of the Dog.
1: I'm going back on my earlier claim and I'm going to say I want Coda to win and that it will win. Wow. March hmm. March Ma- I'm in the selection Sunday like March madness upset, you know, it's going <laughs> to I think it's going to pull it out in the end.
3: I also would like Coda or drive my car to win, but I th- I still think Power of the Dog is going to win. And I think Uh, Sam Elliott is going to rush the stage like Kanye
1: did. (laughs) Is he is he invited? Will he be in
5: attendance?
3: (laughs) I'm going to let you finish. But but I like that. I
1: didn't like how he he was in his chaps. But he qualified that he really does like Jane Campion movies. But as a female from New Zealand, she had no business talking about the West. But she makes good movies, but no business.
3: I, you know, who I want to win is, is last year's Oscar uh, nominations. I feel like that was a better, much better crop than, than this, this year.
4: It's re- Yeah, it's really a different a different year. And I you said it earlier, it kind of felt like, and I feel like we've been so negative this whole time, but um, it did sort of feel like homework. I didn't, quite honestly, I didn't cry enough, but I'm going to figure that out on my own. Uh, you guys are talking about Coda. I'm like, oh my God, I cried at the wrong movie. I need to watch Coda. That's because of
1: your music. Uh,
3: you I'm, know, you're yeah, very particular about her singing.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a snob. Oh, I thought she was a lovely singer.
3: Well, I I know that no matter what happens, there's going to be a lot of speeches about uh, I think we're going to solve uh, the Ukraine uh, crisis. And <laughs> when is it to uh, next Sunday? Yes. Yeah. As, as we're listening to this. So we can look forward to that. The conflict will be over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm trying to think of who who that's going to win is going to say something. Probably Jessica Chastain. I think everyone. Mm-hmm. But Will Smith didn't say something when he won the actor. The screen actors guild award thing mm-hmm. so he might he might not weigh in on that and then mm-hmm. who's best supporting actress it's jessica chastain and
3: oh it's what about the woman from people the think My it's Car? gonna be uh the woman from west side story oh yeah 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 she, she was great and w- she was great the, the woman from drive my car she's got to be nominated. Right. I don't think she is. Oh my God. I love, I thought she was, yeah, she was great. You really. talking
1: about the driver The driver. The- yeah. Yeah. I thought she was really good. I don't think she's it's, it's pretty understated. I don't think that she was nominated.
3: Yeah. Well, you know um, I don't know how many people uh, watch the Oscars anymore. I think you're right about that, Eric, but I know that everybody listens to uh, the Oscar spectacular on race to the bottom. And it's, because I uh you you both agree to do it. And I'm so <laughs> glad we could do this again. It's so much fun. Even even the homework aspects, just knowing that you all are are plowing through these as, as I was plowing through. It's it, it's always a blast. And I hope you all can do it next year again. Thank you all so much for doing this. Um, our I pleasure. Think, Thank you so think, much for having us. I think we've guided, um, our, our listeners and they talk about homework. Now you, dear listener, have uh, a week to, to watch 10 movies, right? You can do it. How about that? How about that? Thank you again to Eric and Corey. They're in Hawaii right now. Celebrating their baby moon. Um, mazel toff So yeah, a little bit of homework for, for you all. And uh, we'll, we'll see how the, the Oscar festivities go. Uh, thanks for... Uh, hit me up while while we were listening to that, people. Uh, listener Julian, I didn't said that. Uh, I didn't know Coda is a uh, actually a remake of a French film. Interesting, very interesting. Up next is Crime Talk BK with Joanna Purpich. Stay tuned for that. Next week we're going to be talking to Doctor Lisa. I'm going to talk a little bit about Carol King, I think, and, and songs that Carol King has written for other people, in addition to just chopping it up with Dr. Lisa. If you're listening to this on your computer, you can download the app for your phone. It works great, and it's free. If you like what you heard, you can go to the website and click on that green donate button. That's how we survive and thrive. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter and keep track of all the great things that are happening. And I'm going to close out the show with uh, a song that's been in my head this week. And there's been a lot of fog. And I always love this one. Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong, Foggy Day. Gershwin Toon. Have a good week.
2: I was a stranger in the city Out of town with the people I knew I had that feeling of self-pity What to do, what to do, what to do The outlook was decidedly blue But as I walked through the foggy streets alone It turned out to be the luckiest day I've known A foggy day In London town had me low And had me down I viewed the morning With alarm the, the British Museum Had lost his charm How long I wondered could this thing less What's the age of miracles? Hadn't passed. Yes, for suddenly, baby, I saw you there. Through the fog in London town, the sun was shining everywhere.
5: a foggy day in london town had me low and it How long, how long I wonder Could this thing last But the age of miracles Hadn't passed For suddenly I saw you there And through foggy London town The sun was shining.